What's that for, that sigh? No, that was just a sigh of... Um, it wasn't necessarily weariness. It was just, ah, here we are. And oh. with a little bit of weariness and all sorts of things. Oh, okay. Do you not have different sighs for different emotions? I, I probably do. <laughs> My most common sigh is the one I give involuntary when I'm sitting down on the sofa. Every time I sit down, I go, ah. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Even though I don't need to. But anyway. So, well, we'll practice a bit of sighing and then we'll get on with it, shall we? Ah. <sighs> oh. Okay, welcome everybody to. Oh, this is a very luck. What was that? That was lackluster. Come on, high energy. Yeah. It's because oh, you just okay. sighed. You were emotionally on the side. I was. I, I went into that from a sigh, and that was a bad thing. <laughs> so I wonder if it would change if I sighed upwards. Yeah, try it. Hang on. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome <laughs> to. Hey, it works. It does work. Uh, welcome to Mid Faith Crisis episode 103. What? 103. Oh, it's right this time. Okay, 103. Um, my name is Nick Page. I'm staring at a screen on which is Joe Davis. Hello. How beautiful yes. on the screen is the face of him who brings He's innuendo. Good. Innuendo. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing okay, I think. Yes, no, I'm doing okay. I mean, uh, sorry we missed out a week, by the way, mm. but uh, oh, it's just, you know, it's crazy. It's a crazy time of year. And uh, we were all shockingly busy with stuff. Um, so that's why that didn't happen. That's our excuse, uh, which okay, is shoddy. Yeah. Oh, now we ought to just do a couple of important things before we start. Yes, we should. Um, properly. So first thing is March 14th. Uh, yeah, the big conversation in Nottingham. Buy tickets, please. Yeah, buy tickets. I think they've been a little bit slow on the go. So maybe we won't have so many people as we thought. Or maybe it's going to be a last minute rush. But if you're mm. in the Nottingham area, we'd love to see you. And uh, yeah, should be good. I mean, really, what else are you going to do in the East Midlands on a Saturday? Exactly. Nothing. Really. <laughs> Go to Ikea or something, I don't know. Yeah, so uh, you, can, you can find details of that on our website or even on the Facebook page. I haven't got the hang of this Facebook thing because mm. I hadn't realised that there's a community place on Facebook where you can do all your postings because I think it's only you and I that can actually post on the main on our page yeah but the community can post in the community and Stephen a chap called Stephen who I know he's been putting some marvellously creative photos of us oh, right, great. actually I did see this photo I, editing I go, on, I go on Facebook about once a month now do you as much as that yeah, just to sort of see if any of my relatives have died, basically. That's <laughs> fundamental. Because that's always a good way to find out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where I think it'll be announced, isn't it? Anyway, uh, and I saw these great photos. Yes. Uh, or, or sort of photo montages and all kinds of things. So we should make them more widely available. So if you could yeah. up your technological um, yeah. skills and send them to me or get, yeah. get a hold of them, that would be great. We yes. could put them on the website. They're exactly. Really yes. Yeah, thank we you. should at least put a link to them in these uh, from this um, in the show notes from this episode. So we should. We'll try. Yes, yes. Well, if we can Very do that, clever. that'd be good. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? Well, I'm struggling a little bit at the moment with men mental health. I think are you? a little bit of anxiety comes and goes. Mm. Uh, yeah, just to be honest, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit, but I think I'm okay. Uh, and I've had some good things as well. Went to the Picasso exhibition. Oh, did the you? Royal Academy. 
uh, uh, Saturday. T- he turns out he was actually quite good at art. Oh, yeah, he thought. I thought he hadn't really got the hang of it. I thought he was, you yeah. know, putting noses in weird places. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah. No, he, he did all that after being quite good. Oh, right, okay. And, uh, and, and you, you might imagine that it was actually being quite good that allowed him to do all that other stuff, really. Anyway, yeah. so that was good. And, uh, but I, I've got to, I have got a challenge within my yeah. own house, and I'm not sure have whether you? I should exercise headship. Yes, of course. Uh, that, perhaps you could advise me on this. We're talking um, rampant vegetarianism. Oh, really? Mm. That's funny. That's the hot topic in our house as well. Is it? Yeah. In fact, all weekend. In fact, my son made me sit down and watch this film. Oh, what was it called now? Mm, I'll have to look that up. But anyway. Meat is murder. It's that kind of thing. But also just the immense, yeah, you, you know what people yes, do. So they're they're yes. really they're really toying with veganism now. Not not just oh Lord, vegetarianism, no, but veganism. Much, yeah, I know. Mm. Well, we're sort of yeah. Almost. I couldn't be vegan. I'd have to give up my leather trousers. Well, yeah, you'd have to give up your leather trousers and your cheese. More importantly, yeah, that's it. Life's not worth living without cheese. <laughs> that's what I tend to think. But uh, so uh, yeah, so my wife is is sort of gone. Well, she claims now she's going to go pescatarian. Yeah, and my youngest daughter up in Durham, she's sort of eating vegetarian, and I, I, I feel me and the eldest are holding out the last bastion of bacon sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. I Hag- know it, having I know said that, I, I'm faced with horror what was going to happen on Saturday when we went to London because we booked into a vegetarian restaurant. All right, and and for me that was kind of like, is there is there a big is there a McDonald's next door? That's my option. Oh, really? That but, bad? But no, but it was absolutely brilliant. And I recommend yeah. it. It's a place called Tibbetts, just off uh, Regent Street near Piccadilly. And But it's an amazing place because it's really anti-waste. So it's a buffet for a start. Yeah. So that's good. And um, and you pay by the weight of your food. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite remarkable. So you you put your food on your plate and then you go yeah. up and weigh it at the counter no, and pay no, for it. No, I don't approve of that at all. That's a disaster. No. Why? Well, because A, I eat a lot more than everyone else, and B, I like it when people take too much because then I can eat theirs as well. So, yeah, well, you, you'd you be quite welcome because you are, by nature of that kind of eating, anti waste. <laughs> yeah, fact, you're that's an, true. You're anti waste, however it's spelt, I'll be honest. I am a human dustbin. <laughs> <laughs> but. But no, it, it, it was great because you didn't overpile your plate up. You could choose what you wanted. So I didn't have to have, you know, anything with hideous broccoli in it or anything like that if I didn't want it. And um, uh, actually, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Really good food. So maybe it won't be as bad as I think. But, you know, I can go a long way, but I can't do without pork pies. No, ever. we had an exceptional day. So my son and uh, made the most amazing vegan tacos on Friday night, and then we went out for a Chinese vegetarian lunch, uh, uh, and then we, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can't, I can't be doing with it, Joe. No, it's all right. You can, you can go meat free. You can even go plant based nowadays. I mean, you must see those sections growing bigger and bigger in the old supermarkets. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, how was your yeah. weekend apart from the? Oh, um... it was good. Well, of course, uh, we were down in Bristol, and 
my daughter is about to move to Bristol. So we will both have daughters in Bristol. We will, yeah. Well, it's lovely nice. to share something else with you there. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll both actually have sort of goddaughters in Bristol. I suppose well. you will, really, yeah. Unof- exactly. I'm now I'm sort of unofficially announced as, as yeah, you know, you rather late into the game. Listen, listen, if you need the title, have it. But you've always been that and you know it. Nah, OK. You know it. Um, anyway, I'm not good. revisiting that old hurt. OK. <laughs> yeah. No, and then we're really looking forward to Saturday because we're meeting lots of beautiful podcast listeners who are coming here to our house for a day about Soul Place. Oh, great. So are you going to cook for them? We are cooking. I'm not. Rachel is. And will it be vegetarian is the question? It will be, yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Well, it's time be to soup. get out of it, podcasters. It's soup. Okay. <laughs> We're literally going to drop a carrot in some water. Call it soup. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a compelling invitation that is. And then, yeah, Lovely. we've seen, seen films, uh, Dr. Doolittle. Huh. Yeah. Worth going to hear his Welsh accent, I have to say. And um, <laughs> I went to see Emma last night. Uh, how is she? She's very well. She sends her love. Yeah. yeah. Did you enjoy that? That's Jane Austen. Yeah, I did enjoy it, actually. And it was Jane Austen. Mm. I did enjoy it. My view generally of Jane Austen is that every book Jane Austen wrote would have benefited from a helicopter gun fight in it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody getting yeah. shot at some kind. I, I did make a comment to that effect afterwards. And Rachel yeah. gave me the same withering look she always gives me after a period job. There's yeah. a lovely Punch cartoon. I think it's Punch cartoon about Jane Austen, which is her at the publishers, and the publisher is saying to her, uh, "To her, yes, we we love the book, Miss Austen, but we're just going to have to cut out all the effing and blinding." <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> anyway, great. Uh, good. Well, shall we? Shall we? Okay. Oh, one last thing. Oh yes. Why does every worship song have to have a crescendo? <laughs> Why do you bring that up now? Well, I don't know. It just I make notes during the week about things I want to talk about in the podcast, and and I was in some kind of session where some worship music was being played because obviously you can't have quiet. You've got to you yeah, know, of course. You, even even if it's played on a rubbish phone, you've got to have it. And, uh, and it just got louder and louder, and it reminded me of times when I've worked with worship leaders. I've probably spoken about this when you're talking about like I might give a talk about silence and quiet or something yeah. like that. And then inevitably in these various church contacts, the worship mm. band will play afterwards. Mm. And you go, well, could you not play? Oh, no, that's not an option. Could, well, could you play something very quiet? Yeah, we've got something very quiet. So they start off very quiet. And you think, OK, we might get away with this. No. <laughs> we might get away with Gradually, no. because the drummer's looking bored. And gradually, the, you know, the whole thing, because it's not worship unless we've reached some kind of crescendo. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It drives me mad. <laughs> well, you see, I quite like to sing a song every now and then because we don't do it in our yeah, church. So well. it's a novelty to sing. And see that. Well, there we are. Anyway, right. let's let's get on. Shall we? Feedback. Yes. Okay. Feedback. Okay, so uh, Peter. Well, Peter sent in a Mary Oliver poem uh, because yeah. now it's Mary Oliver. I'm seeing her everywhere now. Never having heard of her since you read that poem, I, I see know. her everywhere. Well, I hadn't heard of her, and so somebody sent me. Now, now everybody, including uh, your daughter, my goddaughter, is on about Mary Oliver at me. Exactly, I know. So they are. He sent in the journey. It's very good. Well worth a watch. Uh, re- read, watch, read. Don't watch them. No, read. well, you. Could, I think you could. She probably there are YouTube videos of her reading oh, poetry, okay. so maybe you uh, could watch it. You see, you know. Anyway, so much. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll put a link up. Uh, I, had a, I had a good walk with Peter actually the other day. Walked around yeah. Blenheim, saw. 
Uh, two ravens and a great white eagle. A great white eagle? Did you? Yes, yeah. Ooh, well, I'm jealous. Well, the jealous. ravens were fantastic. I loved. That's the first time I've seen ravens in Oxford. And check ever. you out meeting podcast listeners. I know, I know, Has, just have the you one. Turned over a new leaf. No. Okay. Right. And Paul says this. Uh, Thanks so much for the Midfaith Crisis podcast, which I've only discovered this year. The perfect accompaniment for car journeys as I travel around the northeast of England. You ask for listeners to send in examples of auto corrections on text messages. <laughs> the best one I received was when a minister friend once texted me to tell me he wanted to meet up for a brief hate. <laughs> instead of chat (laughs) and a memorable typo which I made in some sermon notes and just stopped myself from saying out loud from Psalm 139 I'm fearfully and wonderfully mad (laughs) this is best wishes okay great I've actually had a few ministers who genuinely I think wanted to meet me for a brief hate yeah exactly yeah I'm more than used to that Um, (laughs) okay so moving straight along and one here from PC Anonymous Mm. Yes. PC Anonymous. He says, Dear Joe and Nick, I want to thank you for your podcast and say what it meant to me. For all of my teenage years, I was the poster boy for the church. I would genuinely love to go to all services and youth groups I had time for. As a church addict, I was a part of three services. Wow. I would lead worship, pray nearly every day, read my Bible nearly every day and speak publicly at church. At the age of 15, I had an interest in joining the police and joined my local police cadet corps. This became what I believed to be my calling. A year and a half ago now, at the age of 20, I started my training in Metropolitan Police and it's been radio silence from God. I work on a response team in an extremely busy borough in London where I've been called stabbings, fights, domestic abuse, sudden deaths, neighbour disputes and people arguing about bread being put on the wrong shelf. I wish I was joking about that last one. (laughs) He says, at a time where I feel I need God the most, he seems quiet. It's got to the point where belief in God seems impossible. Sitting in church is unbearable at best, listening to sermons that don't seem to reflect or care about what's going on in their city, but more concerned about living their spiritual lives. Talk of change seems to be about getting bums on their seats rather than stopping young people from picking up knives. Listening to podcasts like yours and discovering a new church has been a breath of fresh air. It's given me a chance to reevaluate the meaning of Christianity that challenges our cliched understanding of the Bible and the world we live in. Thank you. Well... Yeah, that PC Anonymous. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's good and it's sad all at the same time because I think some of those points are right. Sometimes it's hard to join up the dots from what you're hearing in church, Mm. and the and the the issues that are discussed can seem so parochial and unimportant compared to yeah, well, youth crime and stabbings and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, but I'm glad to see he's got a new church and he's finding. Yeah, I think the church doesn't great sometimes at supporting Christians in demanding professions, you know yeah. really helping them and almost preparing them for that yeah. um, it tends to, you know, put the emphasis, or has in the past, I think it's got better, yeah. but it has in the past sort of put the emphasis on, on sort of mission and ministry and you yeah, know, exactly. praying for various people doing Christian things, whereas you know, churches tend to be full of people like doctors and, <laughs> no, and nurses and, you know, teachers and policemen and people like that. Yeah, but what they do isn't very important, is it? <laughs> I mean, that's like I said. I mean, I'm, I know I've said this before, but, you know, there used to be this news sheet in one church I was in. And on the back of it, there would be, you know, prayer needs. And it was the prayer needs of the ministers. 
So right. and, and on one occasion, it was please pray for the prayer meeting. Right. And I just, you know, at that point, you're thinking we had someone who was actually very senior in the Metropolitan Police in our congregation. We had mums, we yeah. had teachers, we had nurses. And yet here we are investing all this energy praying for the guys who are the backup people, <laughs> <laughs> for the people who are actually doing the work of mission yeah. in the world. It just So yeah, I would say PC, uh, anonymous, and obviously there's reasons why you're anonymous. I can yeah. see that. Um, well, hang on in there, mate, really. Um, yeah, there's a there's a phrase in the Bible also that I've taken some comfort in, which is in Isaiah somewhere. I can't remember where, which is which basically Isaiah says, "Are you know you are the God who is invisible." He acknowledges mm. that, that that God just doesn't turn up sometimes. You know that God doesn't appear to to be there. Yeah, and so our way of imagining God, I think it's as much a difficulty with the way that we've been presented with God as an interventionist God is always going to be there to pull stuff out of the fire and then you get in these really tough situations and god yeah isn't there apparently yeah. well we think he is there the, the, you know the, he, there's nowhere mm. he isn't in a sense but you know i think you just have to take comfort in that in, in that kind of thing that he he is present but maybe it's the old models that don't work yes exactly it is the old models and actually you know knocking down our idols that we make of god and that's a pain that's the painful mid-faith pro- yeah. process isn't it really you know like i think i think we all know at a very instinctual level god is mm. i think we're born with that knowledge i mean i just I just think every human somehow instinctively knows that and so first of all you're told hey god's a man with a beard who had a son who died for you and you kind of you you may accept that you may reject it but you may accept that unquestioningly and then you go well hang on how did really and and so you know you must start knocking down that idol and then you get a different mm. picture of god and then you knock that one down mm. and then you get a new picture of god and you just keep circling around you know god is but you know that what you conceive about god is not right and we're back on the apophatic tradition i do believe there's one more thing i'd say about this i think that that uh really sort of just occurred to me that, that in some of these situations where i've been aware of this sort of absence i, I mean how is god going to be there well he's going to be there through me partly you know it, yeah. it, it, I, we have been given this awesome responsibility of being of, of, of being sort of um uh, taking care of God's reputation in the neighbourhood, in a way. Yeah. And God has done that. He's given us that kind of responsibility. We're made in his image. We're called to Christ-likeness. Yeah. So, you know, part of the way, and I'm not trying to say this to, to our this uh, policeman friend here because it must be tremendously difficult. Yeah. For Certainly for me, if, if yeah. God seems absent, well, what am I going to do to be God-like? What am I going to do to be Christ-like in yeah, that situation? Sure. How could I make God present for other people through my yeah. attitudes and actions? Um yeah, you know that's just a challenge that I kind of. Yeah, no, it's that, and that reminds me of the two questions I try to ask myself each morning, and I've been doing on the beach a lot recently, which is, you know, what is the divine inviting me to do today, and 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 who am I invited to be yeah. today? Yeah. You know, by the you, you know, so it's those kind of questions I think can be really helpful. Yeah, well, that's interesting because another thing I was looking at one of my notebooks and I'd, I'd written down this, and I don't know if it's a quote from somebody or whether I'd written it down. Um, it's probably a quote from somebody, I think. What, no, claim it for yourself. No, it's no, because it's, it's, quite, it's quite good. It says, what gifts, advantages and privilege has God given you that you could use to the advantage of others today? 
That's wonderful. Say it again. What gifts, advantages and privileges has God given you that you could use to the advantage of others today? Wonderful. That's a great. And that's basically what yeah, those two questions are, you know, that yeah. you were just talking yeah. about, um, just in slightly posher language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Thank you for writing Well, it. thanks for that. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that quote. Great. Okay, so from Joanne, she says, I've been catching up on the podcast and heard the email from the firefighter talking about the bushfires in Australia. I'm originally from the UK, but now living in New South Wales. It was so good to hear the message of hope being shared on your podcast. The bushfire crisis and drought which preceded it have been horrendous and seeing renewal come after that is truly a joyous thing. Says I'm posting a video of Birdsong, which I thought you might enjoy, which was fabulous. Uh, the fires were blazing on the other side of the hill, which you can see in the distance. So thankful to the amazing NSW Rural Fire Service, the biggest in the world and manned by volunteers, incredibly. Anyhow, back to the Birdsong. This was following the rainfall, which finally put an end to the smoke and the fires nearby. It seemed the whole valley was celebrating. Well, we'll, we'll have, why don't we put that sound file yeah, in Yeah, yeah, put it in, put it in. Anyway, thank you. So taking on your suggestions of having a word or concept as a resolution for 2020, I chose renewal. It refers to my own mid-faith crisis after a few years of ups and downs, but also of a faithful, loving God who can handle our messes and tantrums and confusions and sadness and bring mercies which are new every morning. A message I'd hear again and again from a wonderful old mentor when I was new in my faith. Mm. I could go on with my reflections, but mostly wanted to share some birdsong with you. And thank you for the podcast, which have been immeasurably helpful and made me laugh and see hope with each one. As they say around here, she be right in the end. Best wishes, Joanne. Very good. Yeah, thanks for that. And thanks for the birdsong. That mm. really was quite a chorus. Lovely. Uh, OK, moving on. Moving on. Uh, yeah, uh, just one more. I think uh, Gareth. Gareth says, Hi, Joe and Nick. I wanted to propose some ideas on guilt, which was touched on in the last episode. Uh, guilt has become a thing that is becoming shunned from society. But I want to suggest that maybe it's a friendly face whom we should entertain occasionally. Guilt makes us consider. Guilt helps us to apologise. Guilt can cause us to learn from our mistakes. Guilt regularly helps me o overcome my own bone idleness. So in moderation, is it something that is good and helpful to us as humans? Maybe the problem with guilt comes when it's imposed by others, the church as an example, rather than helping or equipping people to explore the guilt they have and work through it. So we often impose or increase its meaning uh, to people and become overwhelmed by it. But I don't think rejecting it from our lives is the answer. And maybe we need to explore and change the conversation around guilt and what it does and should be used for interested to know your thoughts well do you want to go first or shall i go first you, well I, I i pronounce you guilty and sentence and sentence you to go first well I, I think this is what i was trying to say last time that i know i have a tendency to push the pendulum too far so guilt is just totally negative and is no helpful and i think you were trying to say actually sometimes it can be useful as as this person is but I think for me the trouble is, in pastoral ministry, sort of on and off for 20 years, here's the deal. I've met too many people who are just so consumed by guilt when they shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. I've watched guilt literally destroy 
their lives and they just live in this constant sort of sense of I'm sinful or I'm rubbish or I'm no good and God's not pleased with me, God's angry with me or at the very best, you know, disappointed in me. And I think, you know, that's why I react to guilt. I just, I perhaps it does have a helpful role. But for so many Christians, it just, it gets a grip in their lives and it's, you know, just pretty useless. Just, you know, and it's become a tool that is used to motivate people. And uh, I just don't see Jesus doing that, really. I think it depends, really, what kind of guilt you're talking about and mm-hmm. what you link it to. That's what I'd say. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that kind of all-pervading sense of being guilty when whatever you do, you know, the mm. church is full of this, so whatever you do, you're guilty, or, you know, yeah. and and only um, Jesus can, can help with that. Well, I sort of, I, I, I get that and I understand that and I think that's mm. orthodox teaching to a certain extent, but not if it's going to plunge you yeah. into a life of feeling terrible about yourself and and, and guilt. So, and, and I think the problem is so often that the link of guilt with condemnation, and that historically that has been a problem, that mm. people have felt yeah. that they are irredeemably guilty. I mean, mm. the poet William Cooper, who wrote um, God Moves in a Mysterious Way, yeah. throughout his life had depression and struggled, um, you know, this is in the 18th century, struggled with this sense that he was not one of the elect. Yeah. And that no matter how many people reassured him that he was guilty and he even he tried to take his his life and, yeah. and got oh, lost in gosh. a fog. He's going to jump off a bridge. Yeah. And he got lost in a fog and hence hence wrote the wrote the song because um, oh. he felt he was rescued from it. But this was a constant yeah. turmoil for him. So I think the point is, yes, I, the guilt can be, I think, a useful uh, emotion if it corrects some bad behavior. Uh, yeah. You know, some genuinely bad behaviour, and I think that the that's yeah. So that's what that's what he was trying. To I say, think that's what he's trying to say. Gareth, but I Gareth think it's saying, interesting yeah. that you see it from the other side because you see what happens when you overdose on guilt. Yeah, exactly. As people are prone to do. Yeah, and when we, uh, as a church, force feed guilt on people because I don't think yeah. you need to do that. People feel quite often feel bad yeah. about themselves anyway. And exactly. And, Sometimes you need to make people feel their guilt because they genuinely don't. Sociopaths genuinely don't feel guilty about the way they treat other people. Yeah, but how do you make them feel their guilt? You hit them How a do lot. you make a sociopath? Yeah, I was going to say, well, you say at that sentence you need to make yes, people feel yes, their guilt. Yes, yes, okay. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I, no, I, I, I would say I would say that's, that's what the justice system is for. It may not work mm, in the end, but the, yeah, I'm talking sure. about those kinds of people, okay, people who, sure. who behave in terrible ways, who don't. Um, appear to recognise their own guilt. And you have to, mm. and this is what a lot of psychotherapy does, it works in those situations to try and get people to recognise the consequences of their um, behaviour. To try, Basically, it's trying to get them to um, a, a situation of empathy yeah. with people. Yeah, OK, good. I mean, I, I think the church has done itself no favours on this one. You know, because uh, do you remember that illustration? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter that you're not a child murderer and a paedophile and (laughs) someone who's raped loads of people. You know, you had a naughty thought once. So you stand in condemnation and Jesus had to die for you. And, you know, that kind of all or nothing kind of thinking about sin and all that stuff. I'm sorry I exaggerate it. But, you know, it just 
it just doesn't help people have a particularly healthy self-image, mm. to my way mm. of thinking. You know, and we're back on our old hobby horse of original sin and the immense damage that has done overall. Well, I, I mean, the thing is that I think the Orthodox Church don't really talk about original sin, but they do, in no. fact, talk about original guilt. So it is part okay. of that. You know, okay. it's just, it's, when so, you've done something that. that for which you need some yeah. forgiveness. Yeah, um, that does make sense. Yeah, I, I, can't, I cannot deny that. One, one yeah. of the things I think we need to rediscover is confession. The, 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 you know, yeah. when, when you had the Reformation, you kicked out confession because confession had become, uh, you know... A, a, an, an abuse of people and it, it actively abusive yeah. of people at, the, yes. at some time yeah. as well never mind the charging money for penance but actually you know being inflicted some of the stuff you read about in medieval um, yeah. accounts is really ho- horrific the way that they treated conf- um, people coming to confession but but it's root in it's purest way it's, it's deeply therapeutic mm. no yeah yeah, yeah so, I believe that you I know, really do and, yeah. and we don't really have that we have a kind of uh, sense where you just go to God, and you go yes, uh, you know, I, I, because we've taken out the intercessor, as it were, the the priest or whoever mm. stands in the way. So you just go, uh, oh, I, I know I'm forgiven, but you don't really feel it. No, and so there's we, really power in those words as they speak the words of absolution yes. over you that your sins are forgiven. Yes. You know, to hear that out loud, and to, and you know, for to, you to you know someone to encounter yeah. you, for example, as a pastor, who will say to them, you mm. are forgiven, it's yeah. okay. They need to hear that. Yeah. I so agree. I think I think um, you know guilt is is going to be part of life. Actually, I think if you have empathy and you're any kind of um, sensing person, you 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 do. I yeah. feel I don't know about you. I can I can replay many many moments in my head of things that I've got wrong, yeah. and I'm not making them. I'm not sort of inflicting no. them. So I genuinely have behaved like a complete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been there for some of them. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah, yeah. You've, <laughs> you've joined in. <laughs> so, yeah. If it if it forces me to think twice about what I do and reform it, that's not a bad thing, I think. But I do take your point about how we ladle it on people. No, but you know? listen, this this link with confession, I think, is really really helpful. And 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 I have a genuine question. I know how I'd answer it, but like like where. Where is that place of confession for Protestants? I mean, obviously, presumably in the Catholic Church, you've still got a priest you can go and confess mm, to. Mm. But where are those places for you and for me and for Gosh, listeners? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Is the answer? I mean, I'm I'm fortunate to have a a, a wife who is incredibly wise and patient, yeah. and so you know, I can say to her, you know. What, what I've done and you know that kind of stuff. You've got a wife who's very good at pointing out your sin and failings as well. She's if very, <laughs> she's very encouraging <laughs> in that manner. Um, but I think even then, even in the closest of relationships, there's always stuff that yeah. you you you, yeah, you yeah. can't share. I mean, I I have um, um, confessed a couple of times with with uh, uh, mm. priests, I suppose, but. I don't do it regularly. I don't know about you. Have you done it? Have you? Uh, yeah, I'm, and with my spiritual director. Right. That's, yeah. That's so. So he's quite good, and he's quite good at asking me the because I've been going to the same guy now for thirteen years. He knows, you know, he knows me better than mm. pretty much I do. Um, 
so he knows the right questions to ask me and to keep me accountable. And like, you, I could lie to him, but like, what would be the point? I mean, there is no point. Mm. Uh, so, so I come clean about everything to him, and uh, and it is, and he will, um, and he will speak words of absolution over That's you. Nice. It is very powerful. It is really powerful. Now I know God's forgiven me, but there's something about again hearing those words from mm. another human being it, this comes back in a sense to what we were saying about with uh, the um in the, the the email from the policeman about mm. about being god for people yeah um you know vicar is a word that means substitute so mm. you are you are the substitute for for christ at that point mm. um you're not trying to replace it no. or take over but you're 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 his representative and there's something powerful to see it embodied in in somebody else isn't it yeah, exactly. And we are, you know, that's the whole priesthood of all believers. You know, we, each of us do have a priestly role, I guess, to perform mm. to one another. Mediators of Christ, yeah. So I suppose there's um, people we can go to, official people. There's also those relationships we have where you do have uh, such a close relationship with somebody you can talk about very important things like that. I used to have a, yeah. a, a mentor who had who had the... He was a sort of spiritual director to me, but he had the right to to yeah. ask me anything. You know, yeah. always to, to talk about anything. And I think I have a similar relationship with you in a way, although we yeah. tend to talk about the same things, cheese, wine, <laughs> carry, carry on films and, and bird watching. But no, we do, you know, you, where you have those people who you know you can go to yeah. because they yeah, exactly. they do love you unconditionally. Yeah. Um, and... And they, but they're not blind uh, to what you're no. like as well. And, and and I think this is where we get in such a stew over sin, you know, because obviously sin does make us feel guilty. Back to that one, and we don't know what to do, and we and we feel such a deep sense of shame. And that shame is a real trap. And the way out of shame is confession, and to confess and to receive grace is so healing. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's where healing is. That I've I've uttered it. Someone else now knows me. They they see the dirt. They see me as I really am. Yeah. They see me completely naked. To use that metaphorically for once, <laughs> you know, they see me completely naked, and yet they they still accept me. They still love me, and they still say, mm. "God loves me." Mm. So there's there's real power there. They often say, don't they? That you know, you hear that cliche. And I've never believed it. Is love is blind? I don't think yeah. love is blind at all. I think love, true, real love, sees perfectly, and it sees really, yeah. and it sees truly, and it sees the person for who they are, yeah, with all their good things, good sides and bad sides, and still loves them and wants the yeah. best for them, which is partly yes. about dealing with the bad side. So love isn't kind of like just oh, this is why I think it's no. good to talk about this subject. It's not just about we'll no. accept you whatever you do. It it it, it will accept you. But we all want to change. We all want to move. So, in fact, infatuation is is what's blind. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Love actually has crystal clear. It sight really does. Yeah. And and loves anyway. Yes. Wouldn't it be great if God loved us that way, Nick? Would it? It'd be terrific. <laughs> Almost feel a sermon coming yeah. on it. Oh, not another one. Uh, anyway, that's uh, no, that. Uh, I think that's really really helpful. I think. So, what could we do? Could is there, a, is there anything you could recommend or? The, for people who are feeling opp oppressed by guilt, you know what what mm. what exercises or 
or or what approaches might might help them well i mean i i think if you are at the stage where you're really oppressed by guilt i think you probably you know there's not much you can do on your own because mm. you've developed a system that constantly condemns you um i do think there are exercises that can be done to reinforce god's great love for you as a beloved child of god um but uh, but uh, my my thing would be to seek out to seek out someone mm. who you can you know feel safe talking now it might be a professional you know priest or minister or vicar it might be a therapist uh, if you want to do it, or it may just be a trusted friend or someone you consider to be wise mm. but don't stay in that guilty ashamed self-loathing place that really isn't what God's got for you. Mm. That that isn't the truth about who you are. And I think you know we can see this in other people. Can't we? We'd never say to other people some of the things we say to ourselves sometimes, don't we? We call ourselves stupid. Mm. We call ourselves mm. you know idiots. We call ourselves mm. think well you're not stupid, and you're not an idiot. Sometimes we do things that are irrational or you know seemingly out of character, but actually they are a bit of our character, and we have to own it and. Mm. But to find someone that you can speak to about that stuff seems to me is really important. And 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 just to say, you know, we are meeting people uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, you know, if you want to come come to Worthing, make the pilgrimage to Worthing. I will hear your confession. <laughs> um, so I'm sort of saying this tongue in cheek, but actually I really would. And also Rachel, Rachel, yes. who is, a, as you know, a spiritual accompanier. Yeah. And um, and and that you know, so there are there are things to do. But I think finding the wise people who will not judge you and who will listen to you and help you find God yes. uh, within those dark places are, are so important. I think that's really what good. Would you, well, what would I you think the same, that? and I think that it, I'm not underestimating the difficulty sometimes of finding those people because actually you, what you also want is you want someone who listens and takes it seriously what you're doing. Because I've heard, you know, yeah. sometimes you can... You can talk to someone and say, oh, "I feel really bad about this," and they'll just sort of brush it away. They go, oh, don't worry. Dismiss about that. it. Yeah, but I do feel really bad about it, and there might be a very good reason why I feel very mm. bad about yeah. it. Yeah. So I want it. I, want, I would like people to when pay attention to it. Yeah. One of the, um, you know, this week I'm going to do it, Liebe. One of the things I'm talking to uh, talking about is how do we pay attention to one another oh, and wow. find God in one another. Um, yeah. And to attend to one to another person is is one of the greatest gifts I think you can give them. So maybe the other side of this is also so, we could help people in this situation by really listening to them, yes, and, and being God for them, and just yeah, uh, you know, doing our bit in in passing yeah. on that absolution. Um, but you know, that's such a powerful thing, and, and that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about this Saturday uh, with with friends from the podcast yeah. about listening and just how that has actually transformed formed soul place as a community as we have learnt together to listen because we're not naturally very good at it mm. some of us mm. i speak from personal experience but to give that gift of actively listening to someone is such a sacred profound thing mm. Mm. well uh, do write in uh, people with yes your, your um thoughts and uh, you know thank you for doing what you've done in terms of listening in this episode <laughs> yes um, active yeah. or well otherwise done. yeah well done yeah, yeah. and um uh, yes, we'd love to hear from you. You write into what address? You write into joe at midfaithcrisis.org. That's joe with an E, J-O-E, at midfaithcrisis.org. And by the way, 
bit irrelevant now, but the name of that film was The Game Changers. If you're interested in exploring veganism. <laughs> oh, I'm so not. So <laughs> I won't go near that. Yeah, so so do write in. Thank you to everyone who supports us as well um, on the podcast. If you'd like to support yes, us, that would be you. brilliant. Uh, you can do that via the website, and we really appreciate that. We really do. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, and we'll be back in a, in a week's time. We sure will. I don't know what we'll be talking about, but hopefully it'll be interesting. I have several ideas already. Oh. They're, not, they're not about cheese, are they? But some of them. Okay, fine. But not all of them. No, good. <laughs> <laughs>